Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? Y'all know what time it is. The fucking illogic crew. Get on our tip. And here we go. Welcome to episode six of the Illogic Podcast. It's me, Styles. We have the whole crew back. Puerto Rico, Esquire, and the star boy himself, Jules. And today we are joined by a special guest. He is the CEO and founder of Black Sports Online. Uh, you can always get, get your latest news updates, uh, sports, and entertainment uh, from Black Sports Online. Um, and so we're privileged and honored to have Robert Littow just come on the show and take some time with us today. Robert, can you just explain to the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So as you, as you just said, of course, I'm the uh, the founder and the editor-in-chief of uh, Black Sports Online. Uh, we're over a decade in now. Uh, you know, the main purpose of the site uh, has always been to give minority uh, and female reporters and writers an opportunity to shine um, in this industry that's uh, dominated by white males uh, to give a different perspective on the uh, world of sports uh, and sports entertainment, uh, be a little bit of a watchdog for the media, uh, for social justice and things that are going on uh, in, in that world. So it's all, it's, 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 like I said, we've been in the game uh, for over 10 years now. We've established a lot of things, we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, right now we're just, you know, still doing our thing, still writing the post, still going to the events, still making sure we're keeping everybody in line um, in the sports media world. Rob, this is uh, Puerto Rico. I want to say thank you. It's real important what your Black Sports Online is doing, uh, providing a, an outlet, a voice for minorities and, uh, and you know, women as well. Um, it's really, really important. How did you get started with this? What What was... The, what was the catalyst that led to this brainchild? Well, you know, I always wanted to be in journalism. So this wasn't something that just kind of, you know, popped up one day. You know, a, a lot of in these days, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot to, to you know, it doesn't take a, a lot of time to become someone that can become a personality, uh, especially online. Uh, but back when I started, you know, I went the traditional route. Uh, went to college, the Ohio State University, uh, got a journalism degree, uh, was broadcast journalism, actually. So I was really more thinking of television, radio uh, type of stuff when I got out of college. But, you know, like a lot of college students, uh, you know, your your dream job just doesn't come to you when you snap your fingers. Uh, so the thing that I decided to do uh, was I was really at that point in my life and that point in media uh, I was just so sick and tired. There was no, there was no flavor. There was no, there was no media was very much uh, stagnant. It was very much old white males, and it was odd because you know you have old white males talking about young black athletes. Uh, so it was always I felt like this disconnect, and I felt like it was a void in the opening uh, for that. So when I started Black Sports Online, it was something to fill that void, especially in the online world. Uh, where the reputation for a long time was that if you had a blog or if you had a website, uh, you're, you know, a weird old white guy, your mom's basement, overweight, you wasn't cool, uh, you didn't get any girls. You know, that was kind of the, the reputation 
um, of bloggers back in the day. And, you know, I came up in a, in a time where, you know, hip hop and R&B and, and just, you know, being a little bit more hip, uh, a little more trendy of things that were going on, especially in my younger years. Uh, and I wanted to feel that void and show people that you could talk about sports and it could be cool and you could be cool and that the reporter uh, could be cool. And we see that now a lot, you know, in 2018. Everybody, everybody wants to be uh, a social media star, a media star. But back then it was it was not like that. And, and I, I like to believe that uh, I kind of helped change those narratives about how you see your media you know, people these days. Rob, how many people do you employ? Uh, at the moment, um, I have, I think I have around 20 uh, contributors and, and either full-time writers, uh, beat reporters, uh, you know, kind of on the staff. Over the years, I've probably had, because I always tried to look at BSO as a way, especially if you wasn't classically trained uh, in journalism, uh, was a way to get your foot in the door uh, in journalism and kind of move on to, you know, bigger and better things. Uh, so, I mean, probably over the years, I probably have helped uh, hundreds of young and even some old, you know, journalists. sometimes you, you get into it uh, older in life, uh, kind of get their start in media. And then, you know, they move on to, to other things and, and, and bigger places and, and things like that. But at the moment, we got about 20 people. But like I said, over the years, there's probably been hundreds that have come through our door. I kind of look at it as like a mini college. Uh, you kind of come through the BSO door, you graduate, you learn how to business, and then you kind of move on uh, to your career, whichever way you want it to go. Nice. nice. And, and Rob, with these, uh, I know you updating stories on like on your Twitter. Like, is that you like, coming up with the stories, like writing the stories, or you? It's like a group effort. Well, uh, initially, honestly, it was a, it was a one man game. You know, I did everything uh, at the beginning. Um, but as the site got bigger, you know, that became, you know, physically impossible, especially the way now that uh, information comes in so quickly. There's so many stories, so many viral type of things that are happening because of social media. It's very difficult for one person uh, to handle that. So I, I have more of a uh, overseer uh, role, um, you know, with the site. Now, I, I still, you know, try to I get on the stories that I feel are the uh, the trending type of stories or the breaking news type of stories. I've run all of the social uh, media accounts, uh, but, you know, I, I make sure that I leave enough, as I like to say, chicken on the bone uh, for the contributors to do their own stories, to do their own editorials and obviously cover uh, their own events. Because, like I say, I'm just one person. I can't be everywhere at, at every time. So what we try to do is we try to spread out uh, the contributors all over the country. So that way, if we got somebody in New York, that can handle all the New York stuff. We got someone in Atlanta, we got someone in Vegas, got someone in LA, uh, these different parts. That way, if something that goes down or something needs to be covered, there's always someone around to do it. Speaking of stories, how do you feel about the difference between the way the Conor McGregor situation is being handled and the Michael Bennett situation being handled? Like, people are well, treating I, it differently. I, see, here's the thing, and, and, and I say this is one of the advantages I have by covering all sports um, throughout the years. You know, like I'm not a one sport guy. Uh, I've covered all different type of sports, all type of different type of entertainment. Uh, this is not a this is not a cut and dry black and white issue. It's always going to be a difference the way that black athletes are covered uh, over white athletes or in this case, an Irish uh, athlete. But I think this 
has a little bit more to do with the sport that Conor McGregor is in. Uh, because Conor McGregor is in a fighting sport, in this case the UFC, it's just not going to get the mainstream. It's going to get mainstream attention, but it's not going to be harped on. Uh, you're not going to see the type of stereotypes that you're going to see if it was NBA or if it was NFL or even maybe MLB. And the example that I give is like a lot of stuff happens with Adrian Broner, for example. Uh, and it's reported on, but it's just, you know, it's boxing. So it's not going to be the first thing that you see on Sports Center. The only person that gets. Unless it's Floyd. First, you know, yeah, the first, the only person that's going to get first, you know, page on Sports Center is Floyd Mayweather if he does something. Now, if Mayweather threw a dolly at a bus, it'll be a totally different, mm-hmm. it'll be written totally different. Mm-hmm. It just that's just the way it is because you know black athletes are are always seen as the villain and in in society black people in general always seem more violent and everything whereas white people always say oh they just you know they they lost their temper you know what I mean so it's it's a combination it's not a strictly a black and white issue it's also a sport uh, issue but McGregor has learned what a lot of athletes have learned over the years is that sometimes being a little bit crazy. Depending on you know what sport you're in, uh, is only helping in your marketability. I, I mentioned to someone that McGregor now is bigger than he was two weeks ago, because in fighting sports, doing wild stuff actually makes your profile bigger. That's why Mike Tyson is a bigger name than Evander Holyfield. You know what I mean? Like it's it's doing wild stuff always makes you bigger. It wasn't until Mayweather became Money Mayweather and took that persona that he became big. As a black athlete sometimes in fighting sports or, in, or an athlete in fighting sports, being the villain um, is actually to your benefit. What are, what are your thoughts on as far as the... the I know you've seen... i seen today that you posted the OBJ Ray Lewis situation. Uh-huh. Uh, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that overall situation? Because I, I, I felt like you know, Ray, he, he's, I don't know what the hell he's on right now as well, far as the Well, tell us the situation. Oh, oh my bad. Go ahead. For the people that don't know, Ray Lewis is on TV today. He was on the Colin Cowherd uh, show, and he was saying how OBJ uh, lost touch with God recently. Um, he went on to say that OBJ is hanging around the wrong, wrong people, and he told OBJ to get in tune with God again, but... OBJ has, you know, sidestepped that and, you know, just hanging around with the wrong wrong people. Well, the, the thing about Ray Lewis, and this is something that I try to explain to people in general, and you can talk to any reporter uh, in the country that's around athletes all the time, and they will tell you uh, what you see on TV, uh, what is being presented sometime in the media, that's not necessarily the same person that they are uh, when the lights are off, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times what happens with retired players, especially star players, is that you start to see more and more of their regular personality. And since they're not playing, you can see the person that they kind of really are. And I think if you really look at Ray Lewis's career, um, I don't think Ray Lewis has changed. I just, I just think that he doesn't have the mask of the NFL and football to cover up some of the crazy things that he say, you know, two two things with o- Odell Beckham. It's it's fair game to talk about Odell Beckham wanting a new contract, him with IG models, you know, maybe being a little emotional on the field, wearing Timberlands on the yacht. I mean, all of that stuff is fair <laughs> because it's public knowledge. You want to talk about that? If somebody asks you a question about that, 
your opinion is as valid as anybody else's opinion. Two, two things is, is really, really bad here. Is first off, you equating religion with success. And, and that's, a, that's a fine line because you're supposed to respect people's religious belief. If someone's an atheist, you can't go on TV and say, well, you're going to go to hell. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, that, that's a fine, tricky line that you, you know, you're saying, hey, if, if you don't believe in God, you're going to be a worse, that means you're a worse athlete. Like, you can't do that. That's not, that's not cool. And the second part of it, which may even be worse, is that if you and I are having a private conversation about religion, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you my beliefs about God and Jesus and Bible or what I do or don't believe, and these are private conversations. We're talking on the phone. This is not an interview. This is not television. This is not ESPN.com. It's not BSO. This is you saying you my brother, and we're having some real conversations, and then you go on TV? You go on television? You go on national TV? It says, well, the problem is he don't believe in God. He, he, he's removed God from his life. Mm-hmm. To me, that's such a violation of trust. It's like you could say... And pretty much anything else, well, you know, I feel this, I feel that about it, the actions that he's doing. But to violate someone's trust like that on a national scale and put that man religious beliefs, something that nobody else has been talking about. It's not like we talk every day about Odell Beckham and God. Nobody has brought that up. That has nothing to do with nothing. And you put, make that into a story and then blame the media for it, for your talking? It, it just shows you that Ray Lewis, he says stuff, and I don't even know if he understands what he's saying or he's so self-absorbed he doesn't get it. Uh, but since he retired, it, it's been really bad. It's, 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 well, Ray Lewis is making sure he's getting that check. You know, he's going to say whatever, whenever, just for that check. That's what I feel like. That's why he's been making all these these strange outrages because people, now people don't forget that that man called a body few years back. He wants you to forget though. That's why he's saying these yeah, things. I think he wants you it's, to forget. It's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's it's and that's the other thing, you know, don't you know throw you know, don't throw stones if you're in a glass house. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. you gotta the way I look at things is like there are certain things that with athletes that we all know as reporters, things that we don't make public. The thing about it is, is public stuff is okay to talk about. Nobody told Odell Beckham to go hang out with the IG model who's recording on her phone. She put it out there. Mm-hmm. So if you put something out there, then people are going to talk about it. But, like, this is just hypothetical. I'm not saying it's true. It's just hypothetical. Let's say I knew that Odell Beckham got Beyonce pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I knew this. Like, on the low. They, he, she, he's cheating with Beyonce. She, she, Beyonce is cheating with Odell Beckham on, on Jay-Z. And I know this because I know somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody, right? I wouldn't just go out and say that. Like, because that stuff's not public. Yeah. Now, if they got they caught Beyonce and Odell Beckham coming out of the hotel, then I would report it. Like, there's, it's like you have to understand there is a line that you don't cross. Mm-hmm. And Ray Lewis is a habitual line stepper without saying, hey, you're, you're talking out of pocket about this man. But if someone says, well, you caught like a couple of bodies, Ray, you'll get all offended then mm-hmm. because you know, that's personal. And such. And but you have no problem doing that. It's just I think he's just so out of touch that he doesn't realize how stupid he, he sounds. So you personally, you would 
then you sounds like you have integrity. So the difference between breaking a story versus reporting what's public, like where does that line draw? So you're saying you wouldn't break right. a story. No. So here's the, here's the thing about breaking stories. And I always, cause a lot of young journalists ask me like, so if I get information, what am I supposed to do with it? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still make mistakes in this myself. So it's not like I'm immune to it as well. The thing is you have to look at it like this. The information that you're getting, is it credible to something that's going on? For example, let's say I found out that Odell Beckham has been telling people secretly that he really wants to be traded to the Rams. Okay. Now to me, that's, that's a sports story. I got sources that are telling me that Odell Beckham wants to be traded to the Rams. There has been trade talk. There's been a lot of communication about Odell Beckham being traded. The GM, the owner have talked about it. That's a news story. So if I break that news, that's news. It's relevant to what's going on. On the flip side of that, let's say Odell Beckham, I find out Odell Beckham gets arrested for DUI. Well, that's once again, if I find that out first, it's going to be public knowledge because arrests are public. Once again, that's a story that I would break. Now, let's say I found out Odell Beckham was gay. I, I know for sure. Somebody, or I found out, I saw him kissing another dude, whatever, let's just say that. Do I break that? Or is that something personal that doesn't have to do with football? It's not illegal. It's not relevant to anything that's really going on right now. To me, that's something that you hold on to. Because it's private, it's personal, it has nothing to do with what's happening on the field, doesn't have to do with his contract, doesn't have to do with what trades. So there are certain things you got to have a line with. Some outlets don't have that line. I'm not going to throw no names out there. But there's some outlets, as soon as they get the information, it, no matter if it's true or false, TMZ. they put it out there. Uh, no, no, TMZ is not like that. TMZ will, will, TMZ will go fact check some stuff. They will go find, if TMZ writes something, you will notice they have the police report, they have the cop, they have the girl. They have something. They, 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 they will track the person down with a video camera and put the camera up in the car. Mm-hmm. So it may be a little forceful, mm-hmm. but it's not, not backed up by something. I'm be honest with you. The 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 hypothetical stories you just threw out there got some little uh-huh. undertones in them. It's not like we didn't hear that he wanted to go to Rams or we didn't hear that Odell was gay. It got a little truth to no what you're saying. <laughs> it got a little truth to it. But in this right. day and age, you got to be careful, though, because... You got to be careful. Like, I said, it, I, like with, I said, I've made a mistake. I've made mistakes before over the years. I made a mistake with Odell Beckham just recently. Like, there was a fight video, and there was a guy in the club, and there was a bottle girl in the club. They both said that it was Odell Beckham that was in the middle of this fight. So I ran with the story. I figured, hey, if people at the club said it's Odell Beckham, a bottle girl said it's Odell Beckham, that's sort that's good sourcing. I mean, it's not like it's a it is a video of a person that looks like Odell Beckham, but come to find out, it was an Odell Beckham impersonator. Had had finessed the bottle girl, had finessed other people at the club to make it seem like he was Odell Beckham. So I was wrong in that sense. I wasn't wrong. And doing the story, what I was wrong in was not protecting myself and saying, this is what someone else is saying. I said Odell Beckham got into a fight at the club. What I should have said was, here's video of someone that's saying that Odell Beckham or someone who claims to be Odell Beckham 
is getting in a fight at the club. So sometimes it's all about how you word things. It, mm-hmm. Using the Odell Beckham game scenario again. If someone came out and said Odell Beckham is gay, say some model or some dude or whatever, right? You can't say Odell Beckham. You can't, your story can't be Odell Beckham is gay. Your story has to be man says that he had relationships with Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. Woman says that she saw Odell Beckham kissing another man. Because then you're protecting yourself in the sense that you're saying, listen, I'm just reporting what someone else is saying. Until you can confirm that, you can't be so strong with it. So, like I said, all of this stuff is fine lines. All of this stuff is you have to make determination. That's the thing you got to do as the the owner and editor and stuff. It doesn't matter if you're TMZ or BSO or Big Lead or ESPN. I think at BSO and places like TMZ and others – I think a lot of times we can be a little bit more strong with it. We can give a little bit more stuff because we don't have to worry about going through 17 different editors to to get our story out there. Like ESPN can't write about certain things before it goes through legal and all of this stuff. But that hurts them in a way because they can't really talk about certain issues, especially for black people, like I can. And you see what happened with Jamel Hill tried to talk just a little bit about Trump. You see what they did to him. So that's my advantage, but it also can be a disadvantage because if you got more freedom, you got to be real careful about how you report things. And and speaking on that, on the freedom, well, tell me, how do you feel in this day and age, in 2018, the climate of the media? uh, Seems like the media is getting blamed for like everything. Like every time I turn on the TV, every time I open uh, the news on my phone, I'm reading about uh, fake news this, fake news that, or the media being so cynical. How do you combat that and, and you know, uh, break through all that cynicism? Well, the, the, the difference is now is we didn't have social media the way we have it now 10 years ago. So I think people complain the same. They doesn't have anybody to complain to. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, if, if, if you didn't... Uh, if you didn't like something that, that ESPN did or something that was on Sports Center ten years ago, who could you had, you know, who are you gonna tell? You tell the barbershop. Yeah. You couldn't tell that anchor. You didn't have a way to get to that anchor. You write an angry letter and mail it. Now, if you're watching Scott Van Pelt and he says something that pissed you off, what you do? You it could be a thousand people spamming Scott Van Pelt's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. I, so I think the difference is, is I think people always had a problem with media just because they're fans and we're reporters and it's supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to report the news and fans stand for fanatic. You know, they, you know they're not unbiased. I think now just with social media and the way that players, and I take that, I, I say players too, because now you see players shoot back at media quickly. You know, Richard Sherman or whoever will, will shoot back. You'll see these beef with players and media people. And I think it's all just an access thing. You just have access to getting to someone real quickly um, that you didn't have before. So the, the, you can't combat it. Uh, what I had to learn was just you got to ignore it. Because if not, you go down the rabbit hole. And the rabbit hole is if you write a story and a bunch of people don't like it, you can, spend, you can waste your entire day going back and forth with people that you're never going to meet in your life. So I, you know, I'm not saying that you can't, you know, interact a little bit, but you can't go down that rabbit hole because you have to understand is if you're 
really being true to yourself and not trying to kiss everybody's ass, at some point, people are going to be mad about something that you wrote, that you said, that they saw on YouTube or whatever. It's just if you're comfortable with what you said, your opinion, and you back it up, then, you know, you really have no concerns and people can just say what they want. Hey, Rob, Rob, I had a, I know you, you gotta, gotta go, you gotta go soon, but I had a quick question. Uh, two quick questions, actually. First is, uh, your thoughts on the Lamar Jackson situation as far as the NFL and how the media is portraying him and automatically making him a wide receiver while they pump up Josh Allen. And then second is, uh, What's the toughest part of being black and working in the sports industry? Uh, it's good questions. Um, Lamar Jackson is a example of where I would say media is pushing one story, but it's not the reality in the NFL. I think the reality in the NFL is if a if they if you if a team likes a quarterback, they're going to take the quarterback. Uh, black, white, or otherwise. So there's still some teams and some scouts out there that feel like your quarterback got to be 6'5 and white and rocket arm, even though the tape says otherwise. Absolutely. Is it beneficial? If Josh Allen was black, would he even be discussed as a first-round pick? Probably not. He probably would be fourth, fifth, sixth round. Uh, those type of preconceived notions are always going to be there. Uh, I think media plays off of those preconceived notions. And that's how they get ratings, because if there is no story, we got to create a story. So Baker Mayfield is Johnny Manziel and Lamar Jackson. Let's make him into a receiver. We got to get something to do things, get people talking, mm -hmm. because who else? Why they, they're not going to read our mock draft. They're not going to watch the NFL Network unless we say something crazy. So that's how media works. Media is a, a manipulation. And I'm not immune to that because I manipulate people all the time. I'm just honest about it. But that's what media does. Yeah, like, I mean, media, that's all we are. Media is how can we say something to make you react? Because if you don't react, we don't have jobs. So we maybe have to make a headline a certain way. Maybe we have to twist uh, a story a different way. We have to hope that someone gets arrested, you know, because nobody likes feel-good stories. <laughs> like, that's sad. I mean, it's true. Like, if you, if you did, if ask, you could ask any media person, any media outlet in the world, say, you did 10 feel-good stories, as opposed to 10, let's say, athletes getting arrested, which 10 would do more uh, on a daily basis? It wouldn't even be, a, it wouldn't even be close because people like drama and they like drama more now. Drama sells. You know, set, you know back in the day, sex sells. That's why Playboy existed. Now drama sells. People, when people talk about sports on social media and they say, just take a basketball game. Take any random basketball game and over the 48 minutes, what is the most things that people are talking about? Somebody getting dunked on, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a little scuffle, a fight. Maybe a coach getting kicked out. Maybe an injury. Maybe some screaming back and forth. It's not the purity of the game. You know, somebody flopping. It's the extracurricular stuff around the game that people are talking about. You know, nobody's talking about, oh, you know, that was a very nice bounce pass that led to a layup. Yeah, you know, they don't talk like that no more. They're waiting for something to happen. Who's going to get dunked on? Who's going to say something on social media after the game? You know, who's going to make a meme? That, that's the story. That's what's interesting to people now, not the game in and of itself. And to answer your other question, I, you know, I think just like in life, in life, 
a black person, a minority, um, goes outside with a deficit. When you walk outside your door, you're dealing with a deficit just because of the color of your skin. Amen. Uh, for, in media, that, that's no different. There's no different. When I walk into a press conference room with, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's 100 media people in there, and 90 of them are white males, and they ask a question, I ask a question, my question is going to be judged a little more harshly. If I mess up, it's going to be remembered a little bit longer. If an athlete snaps at me, it's going to be talked about a little bit different. Like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't have let him in here. Hmm. You know, it's all because of the color of your skin, not because of the – I literally seen guys ask the worst question. I go to the NBA finals every year, and that's a lot of times we get a lot of national media going. I see guys, white guys, ask the worst questions that are humanly possible and continue to get chosen to ask questions. They're terrible questions. But they just a white engineering, so nobody remembers them. I asked a question about Rihanna. All of a sudden, I'm all over the news. Toward the end of the game, uh, you shot a three, kind of putting the dagger into him, and you look toward the crowd, toward uh, Rihanna. Uh, was was that uh, uh, on purpose, or or do you remember that? Or I don't even remember that. <laughs> well, just to let you know, social media is buzzing about. Really? It. Yes. Don't get in that trap. Yeah, bro. don't get in that. <laughs> I'm cool. Have fun with that. Before I let you guys go, let me tell you, I, you, you want to know a clear example of the gift and the curse about being black in sports media? That, I'll give you this example and I have to let you go. But I asked that question about Rihanna because for two reasons. First off, it was a blowout. All the other questions were terrible. They wasn't, they wasn't really answering them anything. It was no excitement in the room, okay? So I asked the question. I didn't know it was going to blow up. You asked Katie? I asked the question, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. I'm just trying to get some lightheartedness in the room. The thing blows up, right? Immediately. Now, this is very important. This is an important part of the story. This was like being black in media. Immediately, there was concern. Everybody was concerned. Oh, my God, he asked that question. Did he piss him off? Who is this guy? Why is he here? What's black sports online? Immediately, that was the reaction, was, oh, no, we're in trouble. You might be in trouble. It's controversial. That was the media reaction. Now, I want, that's, I just want to, I'm making that clear for a reason. I would say about two hours later, when every single outlet in this country, internationally, picked up that clip, now the whole thing changed. The narrative changed. Now it wasn't like, oh my God, it was like, we need him to ask more questions like that. Yeah. The next game, <laughs> I swear to God to you, the next game, like I said, for the first two hours, it was like, oh man, we're going to kick this dude out of here. The next game, game two, was a blowout two. And the same thing was happening. They were asking, they were really bad questions. They were really bad questions. I promise you not, this this. This this actually happened. This is some inside scoop that normally I wouldn't tell the inside scoop, but you guys are cool. I'll tell you guys inside scoop. So second game happens, press conference, same thing. Horrible questions are being asked. I have nothing to say because it's it's a press. I'm still riding the wave of the other questions. I'm like I'm going out on the high note. I don't have anything to say, right? I'm like no, I'm good. I already got my you know five to fifteen minutes of fame. I'm good. So they're asking the questions, they ask questions, bad 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 questions and everything. LeBron comes in. I get a tap on my shoulder, and one of the NBA guys whispers in my ear. It's from the NBA. They whisper in my ear, like, oh, Rob, they want to know if you can ask a question because we're not getting any good quotes. 
This <laughs> <laughs> the NBA. <laughs> hey, LeBron likes your questions. Could you could you ask? We're not getting any good quotes. These these are the same people that in game one for the first two hours. Like, I literally thought that they were going to pull my credential. That's the, the chatter that was going on. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. 24 hours later, now they in my ear. Now they need me. And that's what it's like being a black person in this world. That's, that sums it all up right there. That, that's how it is being a black. A black person in, in, the, in the United States of America is like this. Is they don't, they don't want us. They don't want us around. They question us. Until we do something cool, mm-hmm. then they all want to get on the on the train. They want to ride the wave, you know. They want to they want to ride the wave. I I I never just didn't follow up on that. I asked a question, everything was cool, and then all of a sudden, all of the questions start being more like my question. Of course, of course. Now cool. they're all jocking your style. Everybody now, start dabbing. That's cool. Now we can talk about. You know, the celebrities and all of this stuff. Now we can do, now we all trying to get a viral quote. But see, here's the thing. Black people, we do our stuff organically. Mm-hmm. It wasn't forced. I thought of that on the fly. Because I'm like, cool. I mean, that's what people were talking about on social media, on my timeline. I don't do it every time. Mm-hmm. I just thought it just happened to be that way. But that's how it is as a, a minority in any business. Is that you don't, they don't see you as equal until you do something and it blows up and then they want to hop on. So just be aware, that's what I'm saying, just be aware that, you know, the stuff that you guys are doing, there's somebody out there listening and saying, ah, this and this, they blow up, they'll be the first ones on that. <laughs> listen, listen, when I, when I used to call girls IG models, people used to say I was gossipy and, and that was, you know, <laughs> yes, it's gossipy. Wow. They did a story on, they did a story in the New York Times, you know what it was called? How an IG model did blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's copying. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Now it's a legitimate phrase because it's right. It's like a black man said it. But when I say it, oh, it's such and such. When I talk about, you know, IG models and, and Odell Beckham back in the day, it was like, oh, man, that's, that's, that's trash. That's not sports and everything. Oh, then that Odell Beckham with an IG model at the hotel, that's the biggest story in the country right now. Yeah, see, yeah. they bite. You know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's music, it's with clothes, it's with media, it's with life. Is that anything that we do, they bite. We come mm-hmm. up. No, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Look, Black Lives Matter came out. Oh, now we got, you know, you know, kids protesting. Now it's okay. When Black Lives Matter protested, we were terrorists. <laughs> exactly. Kids when all these kids were dying in Chicago, no one cared about who was getting right. shot. But all of a sudden, a couple of white kids in Florida get shot. Now everyone wants it, to march for, for right. lives, man. Life. Right. March for life. We, yeah. got, we, got, we got black people getting shot by the cops every other day with, with either not, cell phones in their hands, shower heads shower in their heads. Yeah. And, 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 and now all of us, and like I said, it's not to discredit because I think those kids in Florida are, are, are going to be good. We need white people like that. We yeah. need white kids that are going to grow up and be like, hey, this stuff is some BS. And so I'm not discounting. I'm just saying, just look at the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at the difference. They're the future. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the, what we've been protesting about stuff, young people, young black people, mm-hmm. for, for a while now. They never were seen as few. They were seen as terrorist threats. Yep. Because they don't want black people to rise up. But when it's convenient for them, 
Then it's all, it's all good. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It, it's, I know I went off on a little bit of a tangent. No, but no, no, that, no, 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 no. We love it. We need that. We need that. that that's, but see, that's why I try to explain. So when I walk into these arenas and these stadiums and I'm dealing with these people, like, I understand how to deal with them. But I also understand that who I am, what they really think, and how things go. It's like, I, you can't, as a black media person, it's very different. You can't make mistakes. You can't make mistakes. You know, if you make a mistake, it's, it's, they'll kick you out. Like, I mean, it's, it's just, it's the weirdest thing. It's not weird because, you know, you're black, so you understand it. It's just that there's more pressure on you to perform. Like, they always say you got to be 10 times better yep. at your job as a black person. I always said, like, if I was white and I had the same, just everything was the, the same. White sports online. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was just a white guy that started up a, a website that did all of this stuff, did all of this, they had all these followers and everything. Somebody would have gave me $10 million years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's, they, and and I say this in a way that I'm glad that you guys are out there doing your thing and helping your own people, is that white people protect their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much so. Almost to a fault. And sometimes, with black people, we're so used to being beat down by everybody else. We do it to that each other. So, we sometimes beat down each other mm-hmm. because it, we just it, we we see one person succeed and you know we're so beaten down. It's like my God, you know you don't you want to pull that person down. Like a lot of crabs in a barrel uh, type of situation. So sometimes with the black person, you got to come in from you all different ways. You got the white man, you got the black person. You like it's it's a lot going on. It's a lot of a struggle. But in the end, you know, on a positive note, I truly believe if you work hard, you're passionate about what you do, you're talented like you guys are, good things will come. It's just always just be aware of what's happening uh, around you uh, because the eyes are always on you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right, we, we appreciate that. Yo, Rob, real, real quick. You got any any advice for the brothers on the Milk Yacht? Well, see, here's the thing about the Milk Yacht. Um, here's the thing about the Milk Yacht. It's, 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 it's okay. Uh, I don't care who you date. Let's put it like that. Like, if you want to date the Milk, uh, um, that's no problem uh, at all. I, I don't, I'm not like that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against interracial relationships. I really don't care. If someone's nice to you and you like them and they like you, that's all that matters to me. Love I mean, you're gonna you, love, right? Right. Like you just don't know. Like I mean, anybody can, you know, go into Starbucks one day. You run into a nice white girl, and it just works out. I mean, who cares? Mm-hmm. The pro, the, the the issue is with the milk yacht is you got to make sure that the milk is not spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> if the milk is spoiled, what ends up happening is, you know, you get sick yeah. because. That milk will turn on you, mm-hmm. and you see what happened to Ezekiel Elliott. Hell, even Von Miller had the one girl that 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 was trying to sell the sex tape. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it's not it's not exclusive to white women. I'm just saying it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. But I, my thing is that I know this kind of sounds a little demented, but if I want to go down, I feel like I should go down by a black woman. Yeah. <laughs> Like I feel like if I, if a white woman if a white woman takes me down I kind of deserve it like I should have known better mm. but it's all about people it's not about white and black and or Mexican or Puerto Rican or whatever it's about the person 
And you just have to understand that some people don't have your best interest uh, at heart. And some of these girls, uh, and this is for all guys out there, you have to be very careful, especially if you have something to lose as a guy, uh, to make sure that these intentions of these women, be it white, be it black or otherwise, they have good intentions, that they're good people, uh, that they're not going to try to expose you. They're not going to put your DMs out there. They're not going to, you know, if you don't like them anymore, you cut them off. They're not going to claim that you raped them or you beat them or something like that. Because I always go back to what the girl told Ezekiel Elliott in front of witnesses, I might add. She literally told the man, I'm going to ruin your life. I'm a white woman. You're a black athlete. They're going to believe me regardless. And you know what happened? No, he didn't go to jail, thankfully. But the NFL believed her over him. Of course. So, of course. So when you tell the truth like that, and white people know their power. Let's not, let's not get it twisted. They, they know. White, woman, white women know. White women are probably the most powerful women in the country. They know what, what they can get away. They, they can breathe and say, a black guy breathed on them, and we had 30 cops to beat us up. So you just got to be careful about who you're dealing with. But, hey, look, there's a lot of nice white girls out there. I don't, I, hate to, I, I don't like to be stereotyped as a black person. I don't try to stereotype all people. So when I talk about the milk yacht or playing in the snow, that's just for the ones that are the bad apples. Mm-hmm. The good apples, more like I got white, uh, I don't have white girlfriend. I'm saying I got white girls that are friends of mine. I was going to um, say, you I, slipped up there, man. That, somebody <laughs> to say, hey, you got white girlfriend? No, 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 I don't have white girlfriend. But I have white girls that are friend, that have been friends with me for you know five ten years that that I know would never do it. They don't think like that. I've had white girls in in places in business that have helped BSO uh, when I was struggling to monetize. That gave me the opportunity, uh, you know, to monetize the site so I could do this, you know, for a living. Uh, so white, I shouldn't just say white girls, white men as well. So it's not, it's not, I don't want people to get jaded and be like, oh, you're dating a white woman or there must be something wrong with you. You're friends with a white guy. No, it's not like that. It's just that there's bad apples in all races. So you have to be very careful as a black man because you've seen what's happened to other black men. Uh, when they've gotten with white women uh, that don't have their best uh, intentions at heart. Or even just whistled at white women. Right, exactly. exactly. Well said, well said. So, Rob, thank you for, thanks again for just taking some time out to come on our show. Uh, you want you want to shout anything out right now? Anything you got coming? I know you got the BSO uh, app. You want to, I don't know, would you want to shout out? Yeah, just, you know, you like everybody can follow me on Twitter at BSO. You got the Facebook and Instagram, Black Sports Online. That's the site. Uh, the app is new. You can search for it on iTunes, Android, Black Sports Online. And then you know, the radio show slash podcast is BSO Live, which you can listen to on the app if you got it. So I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. Thank you. No, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on.